Welcome to Reroute Safety, Episode 4. In today's episode, we talked with Jim Barron in all things media. Jim has recently retired after working as the communications director for ADSA for 18 and a half years, and prior to that, he served for 23 years in the Navy. Jim still serves on the Motorcycle Advisory Committee with the Federal Highway Administration and volunteers his time as a communications director with an association that helps former inmates reintegrate with society through education, training, employment, and housing. Jim is still very passionate about worker safety and very active online through LinkedIn and Twitter. Today's episode is one of those areas in your professional career that you don't know that you don't know anything about. It was a, a light bulb moment for me when I did a class with Jim through the ATSA leadership course. Uh, it made me realize how little I knew about something that I interact with on a daily basis, which is news and media. In today's episode, I hope to lift the veil a little bit about how to interact with news and media outlets in your professional career. But first, a word from our sponsor, Road Tech Safety Services. If you're looking for parts or repairs for any of your message boards, airboards, radar trailers, or portable traffic signals, uh, give us a call. We have a parts and repairs department that can figure out exactly what you need and get it to you in a timely manner so that you can get your equipment back on the road, making money for you. Uh, visit us at road-tech.com. That's R-O-A-D-T-E-C-H.com. And just click on the parts and repairs on the top right-hand corner. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy this amazing episode. Uh, Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be here, Ben. So let's just start with a basic question of, of what's newsworthy um, and, and what, you know, what's newsworthy for within our industry and what's newsworthy for the general public? Well, that's a great question. You know, everyone thinks they've got a newsworthy item. And, you know, this is, this is something that is a, is a great thing to discuss internally, you know, how it benefits your customers, how it benefits your audience, uh, you know, immediately. But when you want to release something um, in the form of a press release or a media advisory, or you want to notify a reporter uh, that you're that you're doing something that you want some media attention for, you've really got to have an internal discussion and see if this is something that is going to benefit a large number of people, and if it's going to benefit you know the motorists, if, if it's going to benefit law enforcement, if it's going to benefit workers, you know a large number of people, then you have a basis to go out with a press release. Uh, so, you know, a lot of stuff that we do day to day seems very, very important. And wow, you know, we would love to get the word out on this, but you've really got to ask yourself, is this something that is going to be of value to a large number of people? And then it really helps, you know, if it's going to be a value, if there's a product developed or a new, or a new practice of doing, uh, uh, something, you know, to demonstrate that to the media and to show them how it's going to benefit people. Uh, to get that to get that public buy-in on something. So, if it's got a broad appeal to a large audience, then it is newsworthy for sure. So, talking about getting that news out there, um, now that mm-hmm. we've kind of distinguished what is and what isn't newsworthy, uh, I read your article on building relationships with your local state DOT. How do you mm-hmm. kind of initialize? Uh, I, I should st- step back for a second. Um, reading mm-hmm. through this article, one of the, the key things to getting a news release out there is to build those relationships with your local state DOT and to start working mm-hmm. with them. 
um, they're working with the media all the time. So, so how do you initialize that relationship with your state DOT? Well, this is really uh, an easy thing for for ATSA members to do to to gain a relationship with the DOT Public Affairs Office. And, and you know, one of the things that that ATSA members do in our industry does every springtime is we we conduct this thing called National Work Zone Awareness Week. And, you know, when I was serving at ATSA for all those years, I would receive calls from members uh, quite frequently saying, hey, Jim, how do I get involved in this campaign? How can, you know, how can I bring what I do to the table and help the DOT? And the best way to do that is to plug in with the DOT public affairs staff, the communications department, because those are the individuals that are doing the community relations stuff. And, that, you know, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about press releases and media advisories and dealing with the media. And part of that is community relations. And and the people that build those community relations are the public affairs people, the communications people. And if if uh, manufacturers or ATSA members in general want to be involved uh, within their local community, in, in events like this, then they should plug into that network and introduce themselves to members of the communication staff and see what they can contribute to the event. For example, I know that we did National Work Zone Awareness Week with, uh, in Ohio a couple of years ago. They were the host state of the event, and the Ohio chapter of ATSA was instrumental in providing all sorts of uh, devices and traffic control, you know, traffic control devices, products, services, you know, barrels and uh, uh, delineators and signage and trucks and all sorts of fun stuff and of course the workers themselves in their in their uh, reflective apparel which are important an important part of a work zone as well so there's all sorts of opportunities for for people to get involved in events like this but uh, the best way to do that really is to reach out to the communications or public relations people of the DOT Tell them who you are. Tell them what it is you do in the community, whether it be in you know manufacturing of signs or striping roads or whatever, and just simply tell them that you want to be a part of uh, community events such as National Work Zone Awareness Week, and you will become a valuable asset and resource for these people to turn to when they have events like this in the future. Well, and if anybody's in California, uh, we've actually had the the opportunity to work with Tammy in the PR department. Mm-hmm. She's, she's fantastic. She's, she was the one yes, that headed up, headed up the, uh, campaign that has, I think been extremely mm-hmm. effective with, uh, my dad's at work and using the Caltrans yep. actual children. And, um, it's been a fantastic outreach and working with her. She's, she's always, always willing and ready to accept help and, um, reach out mm-hmm. to us. And, you know, it's an open line of communication. So I, I really do encourage people to, to, to reach out to your local schools. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't say enough about Caltrans and Tammy McGowan in particular. <clears throat> when we were doing National Work Zone Awareness Week, uh, uh, the first few years, the first seven years that we did this campaign, it was always within the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, whether it was Virginia or D.C. or Maryland. <clears throat> Excuse me. And California was actually uh, Sacramento. Tammy McGowan, precisely, was the individual who was the first you guys in California were the first uh, folks to host the event outside of the Washington metro area. And that, of course, set the stage for the event to be every other year outside of the Washington metro area. So that's a perfect example of how relationships uh, you know, begin small and then grow huge. California is a perfect example of this. 
uh, and there's other states across the country that are doing similar things as well. But uh, uh, California has a great campaign. I know that they, uh, you know, they, they practice it year year round. Works on safety is something that you guys pay attention to year round. And it's not just National Works on Awareness Week they have opportunities part, to participate in. But when you develop a relationship with the DOT, they will call on you throughout the year uh, mm-hmm. to help them with things. So, so knowing someone in, at, at your DOT in public affairs is a very, very good, good thing to do. Well, so uh, if, let, let's say, a manufacturer or even if uh, maybe a state DOT worker wants to kind of reach out um, past our mm-hmm. industry, more into the news outlet industry, if they want to um, maybe begin to build a relationship with a, a writer um, or mm-hmm. a columnist that, that focuses on infrastructure, how, how would you start initializing that relationship? Well, that's that's a really, really good question, Ben. I'm glad that you asked that because, you know, news organizations um, nowadays, they're, um, they, they rotate in and out of people very, very frequently. So you really have to stay on top of, you know, who's reporting on transportation issues this week and who it's going to be next week because things seem to change. But one, one cool thing is that most metropolitan areas – um, have a news talk radio station. It would either be on the FM side or the AM side, usually AM side, a news talk station where they dedicate, you know, they dedicate a lot of uh, minutes every hour to traffic, transportation, and other issues related to what, you know, what, what ATSA members do, do for a living in general. WTOP here in Washington, D.C. is a really, really good example of a large metropolitan uh, news station that reaches just a humongous audience. They go, they go over into Delaware, uh, uh, Maryland, Virginia, DC. They, they cover a wide area and they cover transportation. And I was actually looking at their website yesterday. And if you look up WTOP on the internet and look at their website, you will see about six or eight transportation reporters. They have (laughs) numerous transportation reporters there. Um, uh, if, if, uh, your listeners to this podcast are totally unfamiliar with who handles transportation or traffic in their area, what I would recommend is go to the website and look, you know, look at the roster, look at who's there. And I would either send an email or, 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 uh, give them a call and tell them who you are and invite them out to your facility and show them what it is that you do. And uh, not only will it be an educational piece for them to uh, get familiar with what it is that you do, but it will also turn into a news story for these individuals. Because Hmm. I can tell you from experience as a reporter that um, on slow news days, reporters are always looking for a good news story. And uh, if you are doing something out there that is truly um, interesting, such as manufacturing glass beads, I just pulled that one out of thin air, it may not sound interesting to us because we're in the industry, but the whole concept of glass beads is a very, very interesting topic that I guarantee a news media would be interested in. And all that takes is just reaching out and saying, hey, my name is Ben. I work for a, a glass bead manufacturing company, and we, we put stuff in signs or we put stuff in pavement markings that make our roadways safer. We'd like to have you out for a tour or a visit. And I guarantee you, you're going to get some interest there. So it's just a casual relationship building there and then you know uh, you know when things turn bad when there's a bad thing that happens out there on the roadways because you've developed this relationship with a reporter they have someone to reach out to and say hey ben 
you know, we just we just had a bad accident out here on the interstate. You know, what what can you tell me about, you know, what sort of safety devices or whatever were out there on the roadway or whatever they're going to ask you. They will uh, they will look to you for some assistance or some guidance, not necessarily for a quote all the time, but just uh, you, you, you'll just be a tool for them to use as a good resource for information as far as transportation issues are concerned. So you're not only developing a contact with the media, but they're also developing a contact with you because a reporter you know, they're not born in this industry. They're not born into transportation and infrastructure. They've got to be taught that. And uh, why not be one of the people that that teaches them, you know, the right way to do things versus them going out and trying to figure it out themselves. So I, I welcome people to to introduce themselves to the media and to tell tell them what it is you guys do for a living. I guarantee you they'll find it interesting. So this is a, a, a good turn. Um, when, when you're working with individual uh news reporters and and you Mm -hmm. do have something that you really do believe is newsworthy then these become the people that you immediately reach out to right Um, yeah i mean it could be yes if when there is these uh these newsworthy experiences like you have a new system that you're putting out on the road that you you believe that the motorists need to be aware of or you have a new product that's going to be coming out the roads um Mm-hmm. If you wanted to do, you know, a press release, um, should you should you go through first your your kind of immediate contacts, or should you reach out wide, or should, should you? Cast well, it depends. Uh, yeah, it it depends. Uh, there's, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of different tactics that you can use. Um, I mentioned earlier how you can find a reporter if you have no idea who that is, and and you know, and I use that radio station as an example. And the same thing holds true with uh, with television, and the same thing holds true for the print, you know, the print, the newspapers. Mm-hmm. And you you can't discount those because people still love to read newspapers. So you know, you really got to get to know who your transportation reporter is as far as print journalism goes, and your transportation folks in the broadcast media as well. And you know, now now we are in the social media climate. You've got to know. You know, uh, you've got to be connected that way, too. You've got to be connected on Twitter, on Facebook, on, on uh, LinkedIn, and other social media platforms. So, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do. But to answer your question, um, you know, if you have built yourself a media list, which is, uh, you know, it's a list of media that is in your area. And, again, there's software that can do this. But, again, you could do this by by Google, you know, what newspapers serve my area, and it'll come up on your, your Google search. And those are the, and, and then you can start building your media list that way. And uh, don't just send it to the newspaper, you know, their general email address or whatever. You always want to direct your stuff to the newsroom or to the assignment editor at television stations, you know, the people that are responsible for putting stuff on the air or getting stuff in print. That's You don't want to set it to a general mailbox. That's why it's important that you build a media list in advance. You, you know, you, you try to get to know people on staff. And then when you have an issue come up, that's, that's where you use a little bit of strategy. Now, uh, let's say you've made good friends with a transportation reporter, you know, a traffic person who works at a radio station that you like to give information to. You can tell that person in advance, hey, look, I'm going to be giving, you know, I'm going to be putting out a press release on this new product we have, but I wanted to uh, give you an opportunity to uh, to get an advanced look at it. You could try that approach with them. 
uh, or just put them in with a general press pool. It's just a case by case basis. But the thing you've got to remember is, you know, you've got to you've got to treat the media, you know, fairly and and be honest with these guys at all times, and uh, try to release the stuff to them on an even basis so that they all get it at the same time. Well, so um, if, if there's a, a manufacturer or a, a contractor, DOT, um, who doesn't have the time or or something comes up that they need to be handled immediately, uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess my question is, when when is a good time to actually hire a, a public relations firm to help you with this? Well, you, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I think most companies nowadays, you know, the larger companies that are out there competing, they're all into social media. And, uh, you know, I've been in the business a long time, and I hate to say it, but there are people out there now who have degrees in social media. And, you know, these are the folks that, that are going to be out there propelling your message and, and, and getting it out there for you that you don't have to worry about it all the time. Um, and, you know, that's that's a good that's really, really a good person to have on staff. There are numerous companies. Uh, in fact, there are more companies out there than I than I can count that have great marketing people out there that are that they are the people just like the DOT public affairs people. These marketing and public affairs people within these companies, they're the ones that are out there doing the the Twittering and sending out the press releases and doing the hard work. And these people are really the value, you know, are providing huge value to, uh, to companies across, across the, uh, across the country. So, you know, it's always a good idea to have somebody on staff to manage your social, uh, your social media outreach. But I will say that no matter what your plan is, no matter, you know, who you hire or who you decide to put in charge of this, there should always only be one spokesperson to the media. There should only be one voice mm. to the media. And I and I talk about this when I when I teach uh, media relations and, and media training and public relations and uh, in, in our access leadership training. I tell them, you know, devise a a public affairs plan. It doesn't have to be a long one, you know, a two pager within your company, so that everybody in that company knows that when the phone rings and it's a reporter and there's a problem or an issue, or even if it's good news, if there's a reporter on the phone, they are uh, the, the question, the query is to be taken down, uh, precisely what the reporter is looking for, and that should be sent to the one individual that is designated as the sole media spokesman for the organization. And that you're not getting mixed messages from, you know, somebody who's answered the phone down in the warehouse to somebody who's, who's answered the phone up in your front office as to what's going on. You've got the official answer to the media's query from one media source, and that's what you need to have in, in each company. Well, uh, so speaking of, you know, handling a situation and having that one spokesperson, um, Mm-hmm. Talking about, we'll, we'll dive into both at the same time. Actually, the the misinformation, sure. um, and then the the straight up attacks <clears throat> on your company. So if if something goes wrong, right. you're actually experiencing a bit of a crisis, or if you said something and it wasn't what you meant, or it was taken out of mm-hmm. context, and there's some misinformation going around. Um, how do you kind of right. work to 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 put out those? Um, wildfires because it really does you know you, you see that spread between multiple 
news outlets, and then uh, sure. by the time you start correcting the original ones, it's already been run to other ones, and then you go after those right. other ones, and it's old news by right. the time it actually gets corrected. So how, how do you track yeah. that down, and how do you kind of deal with those crises? crises? Well, things can get away from you really, really easily because, you know, in today's day and age, Ben, I could stand here. If you're a reporter and had a camera on me, I could stand here and tell you the truth all day long, and you could you could take one little snippet out of there and uh, make it look like a total lie, and that will, of course, go viral on the Internet. So you've, re- you've really, really got to be uh, careful and pick your words carefully when you address the media. And, you know, that is, again, you know, that, again, that comes with the person who you are choosing to go out and talk to the media. Do they know what they're going, they're going to be talking about? Do they have talking points, uh, you know, that they're going to refer back to when the media tries to sidetrack them? But, you know, before you get that far, there's certain things that people need to do before they go on camera. You know, there's the whole appearance uh, issue. Are they dressed right for television? And how they perform on television, and that all, you know, that all comes through in some sort of uh, a media training that that I strongly encourage people to participate in. But what you really have to remember with the media is, if you do not know the answer to a question, you need to simply say, "I do not know the answer to that question." And um, before you answer any questions to the media, make sure that you understand exactly what it is they are asking you, and. Um, that can come through in the call screening. You know, when the calls come into your office and it's uh, Jim Barron from from some network news and they want to talk to the president of the company about an issue, that's where your people on the front line can say, sir, I'll be happy to have him give you a call. Can you tell me what this is in reference to? And try to find out exactly what they want and as much information as possible before you contact that reporter. And before you contact that reporter, I highly suggest that you Google the reporter. And if the reporter is Googled and comes up as an investigative journalist, you know you're probably going to have a rough day. So you got to do a little bit of background in, in investigation on the reporter before you're in a hurry to jump on the phone and, and respond to the reporter or before you say, I'll get on camera and go out and handle this and you step out and get on camera and and it's a career ender for you. You really got to be careful before you go out on the air with the with the media. Yeah, this is a great point because you know, depending on the the type of the reporter, this could be your lifeline to getting out of this bad situation, or it could be your final blow. Yes, yes. And you know, uh, I've had adverse situations in my career. In fact, my motto used to be, "Your bad news is my good news." Because, you know, when you develop a relationship with reporters, let's say there's a helicopter crash. Uh, A reporter will call you and say, Jim, I understand we just had a helicopter crash. The first question I would ask that reporter is, where did you hear that and what do you know? And then go out and fact find after that and figure out what's going on. Because usually the reporter's coming in with misinformation and and half-truths about something. Hmm. You want to collectively get everything in order before you respond to this person and you want to remain calm at all times as well. There's nothing the media likes better is than to get a red faced, excited, angry person on camera saying, I don't know anything about that. Or they're running away from the camera. They love to have people running away from you. It's great, great television. 
great visual. You want to step out there and present the information correctly, accurately, truthfully, to the point, not speculate. Uh, don't ever say no comment. Um, ben, I could go on for a long, long time how to react to the media, but the key thing to remember is, is that every reporter is different, and always do your research on the reporter before you talk to him. If you do not know the reporter, find out who that person is, and um, that may save you a great deal of headache. Now, we talked about the relationships with public affairs people before as well, and uh, that is very, very critical in in the media aspect as well, and I'll tell you why. Because across the country, we have a roadway system, and bad things happen on our roadway system. And let's say we have a school bus that goes through a guardrail, and it has uh, some serious injuries, some fatalities, and there's not much information on it. All we know is that we lost a school bus in some state, and it went through a guardrail. Well, the media is going to go out immediately and try to fact find and try to speculate and find information. So the first thing that they do is they will Google guardrail and guess who they will probably find. They'll probably find ATSA or they're going to find some guardrail manufacturer. So some guardrail manufacturer will get a call and say, Hey, can you tell me about this accident that occurred? You take the query, find out what the reporter wants and then call your DOT and say, Hey, do you know anything about a crash? What do you know? And then you guys can work together to get the issue resolved. But again, that's, you know, that's after you've built that relationship with your public affairs officer. And that way you guys can work together on stuff with this. So, you know, back to that relationship building, that's a good thing to do. And it not only pays off in community events, as we talked about, but it can also pay off in either good news or bad news stories that may come down the road. You know, your DOT, may have an incident that involves guardrails or pavement marking or whatever. You're the company that happens to do it, and they're going to come to you as an expert and, and possibly to speak to the media about it. Well, I think that was a, a really key point, too, that you brought up about trying to figure out what the reporter knows and what information or, or where they found out that information. Um, yes. Whenever I'm involved in a news story, it's only happened to me a couple dozen times, but uh, I always think that the news media – knows everything about stories or we kind of get this false sense that news media know mm -hmm. everything that's going on until you're actually in a story and then you realize that they have right no <laughs> no more knowledge than the person yes. next to them and uh just yes, being able I, to understand that yes. and, and clearing that up i think is really key yeah i've talked to reporters many times and gotten their version of the story and then called to the dot where the issue is occurring and talked to the communications director down there and got a completely different version of what's going on with an added comment, yeah, I know that reporter, they're out on a fishing expedition. So immediately that gives me information that I need to have, like I need to stop talking to this guy because what I'm doing is I'm hurting the DOT uh, you know, by, uh, by giving them information that they shouldn't have. So it's, it's something that, that you know, can be done as a partnership to help each other out. But it's, it's looking out for each other and getting the right information out there to prevent misinformation. So it's, uh, it's, you've got to have relationships with the media and with the public affairs offices to make that happen. Yeah, and you think of like just gossip too. Gossip kind of creates the same 
environment where sure uh, when two people who don't know what really happened start talking to each other, they start confirming each other's stories, and then they believe that yep. their stories are right. That's right. Um, That's right. That's right. So, uh, let's move on a little bit to the uh, the social media or yeah, the social media aspect mm -hmm. of this. You know, the the viral lynch mobs and stuff that we've seen online. Um, right. You, you you get like these pile on effects. Uh, uh, I heard it referred to as like kind of the um, body's immune system. Somebody gets tad mm -hmm. with one of those immune tads, and then all the white blood cells will pile on and attack it. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. Yeah, it's been all kinds of horrifying stories of, of people being misquoted or or, or uh, sure. Yep. And then, you know, losing their jobs and having their companies attacked and all kinds of horrible stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but there there have been... Right. And, and you... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, Ben, this goes back to, uh, again, you know, having one point of contact that is responsible, not just for responding to the media, but for also anything that goes out social media-wise, et cetera. Um, you know, if you're in a large company, you certainly don't want, you know, eight or nine people who you don't even know who they are uh, tweeting about what's going on in your company. You want to have that information all funneled through one individual who's getting it out there. That way you're having a, you're having a uniform, you know, correct answer put out there. Because when you're right, when, when bad information is put out there, it can while, you know, it can, there can be a wildfire effect. It can spread. And once this thing spreads, uh, you've got a heck of a mess to clean up afterwards. So it's best to uh, have all the facts in order and get them out there so that you don't, you know, you don't have to deal with that. But, you know, mistakes are going to happen. You know, things are going to go out. Um, you know, you're going to hit send sometime on something. You say, oh, damn, I didn't mean to do that. And, you know, when mistakes occur like that, uh, you know, you've got to own up to it and move on. Um, and you shouldn't let that devastate you. But a good way to prevent mistakes from happening is to just have one source that's, that's putting your stuff out. Everybody sees it before it goes out. Everything's approved, and that way you're safe, and that will really prevent a lot of headaches in the future. Well, so I wanted to bring up a little bit of a case study on this point. Uh, have, you, have you heard of mm -hmm. Protein World? No. So this is a pretty interesting story. It happened about two years ago, and um, mm -hmm. there's just a, a protein – you know, workout protein manufacturer that made these supplements for people working out. And, um, right. they had a, a ad campaign of, uh, it was a, you know, a young, attractive woman with, uh, uh, the, the saying is, are, are you beach body ready? And mm -hmm. it upset a lot of people and they were posting that saying, all you have to do is put on a bathing suit and you're beach body ready. And, uh, asking for the boycotting right. of this company and that, that Twitter would mm -hmm. take down this social media campaign and they got attacked from right. multiple sides. And mm -hmm. so this company started uh, <laughs> posting um, this picture uh, on all the people that were attacking them on their, on their Twitter feeds. And the picture was a humpback whale with a you know, digital graphic bikini saying, I'm beach body ready. And it created this huge oh. firestorm, and there's a bunch of people fighting back and sure. forth. And well, what yeah. happened was this 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 company that was making about fifty thousand annually started making about you know, over a million a month 
in, in inside of mm-hmm. this this huge social fire and since then they've become mm-hmm. a multi-million dollar company and you'll see their ads now in new york times and this is a small britain company originally um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so my question is really when is it appropriate to fire back um like you're saying truth i, I believe that truth can prevail and you always want to speak honestly and it seems like uh, right. a little bit of humor can also add to it without being too uh, abrasive. This may, may have been a little abrasive. Well, I agree. I, yeah, um, I agree. And I'm totally in favor, I'm totally in favor of, of uh, humor because that, that's the kind of guy that I am. But, um, you know, when, when things are, are uh, never pick a fight, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Never pick mm-hmm. a fight. Uh, but, you know, if you're, if you're backed into a corner, you know, you've got to defend yourself. And, you know, again, Ben, it's a case by case situation, you know, what that, what that particular company did work out for them, but it may not work out for, for us if we try it. So yeah. it's gotta be a case by case situation. Um, every case has its own set of set of circumstances. And this is where, you know, companies should just pause and say, Hey, look, we got to call somebody who knows a little bit about public relations and ask them what's going to happen because, you know, people don't think about this every day. People don't usually like retain lawyers. Uh, uh, they don't retain plumbers. They don't retain, you know, public affairs people, and you know, until they need them. And when they need them, you know, it's, you know, they got to bring them up to speed. You know, how do you make a sign? You know, you got to start from square one as to explaining to them. So, you know, it might be a good idea to have somebody, in your back pocket that kind of knows a little bit about who you are, uh, knows what your company does, um, has a background in the industry and can respond to stuff like this. If you need, if you need uh, help, because I, I tell you, even, even working, you know, at ATSA and in, and in my other career, you know, we had situations where, um, you know, we had to, we had to uh, ask for, for assistance from the outside to, to handle situations that were, you know, that were big and it's a, and it's a really, really good investment and people are out there and willing to help, but you just got to know when, you know, who to reach out to when, when situations like that occur. So it's always good to know somebody in, in the public relations field to help you when situations like this come up. Yeah. And I think it's also really important to, to understand who your customer base is too. If, if you are going to be mm-hmm. firing back, you should really understand um, your customer base and really pitch your words and, and, and pitch your actions carefully that you're not going to uh, yeah. ostracize or, or um, you know, put off any of your customer base specifically. Absolutely. Um, yep. You've got, you got to take a lot of stuff into consideration before you go out public like that. You're right. Yeah. And we are, we are in a, a uh, we are in a professional business, you know, we're not in this, um, we're, we're not going straight to the consumer. We're going to DOTs and we're going to manufacturers and we're, we're working in a, mm-hmm. a business profession. Yep. So I, I, I always respect it when people are able to do things with a little bit of class. There you go, man. Well, so uh, one last question on this topic too is, um, sure. is, is there a way to kind of strategically um, give a, a public apology and, um, is there a good time to give a public apology? It seems like if you are being uh, attacked by an investigative journalist and you give an apology, even if you're not mm-hmm. trying to take responsibility for that specific action, it 
that they pin it on you and then they move on to the next move right. news cycle. Um, you know, in the case right. of like the, the school bus that you're talking about, you know, you want to say, you know, our hearts go out to the, the families just as they do, but uh, you don't want to be mm-hmm. taking responsibility because they hit your guardrail. No. Um, Correct. So, yeah. So, I mean, one thing, one thing you've always got to remember, you know, investigations take a very, very long time, very long time. And, uh, you know, no matter what happens, you know, an accident, a crash or whatever, you know, the standard answer, uh, what, what I recommend is, you know, I, I just can't talk about it right now because the, the accident is still under investigation. That's a perfectly acceptable answer, especially mm-hmm. in today's, you know, society where people are so worried about uh, uh, entering into a lawsuit with somebody else. So people understand that. And you're absolutely right about news cycles. Um, you know, the news today is going to be completely different than the news tomorrow. And no one knows what's going to be on the six o'clock news tomorrow night. No one knows what's going to be on the uh, six o'clock news tonight. Uh, it's uh, what time is it now? It's uh, almost three o'clock. They're uh, they're out still gathering, you know, gathering news for this evening's newscast. But no one has a clue what's going to lead the newscast tonight because that's why they call it news. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. So, you know, what, what we think is important, what we think should be in the first 10 minutes of the newscast um, is probably not going to happen. It's probably going to happen in the latter part of the newscast. And it's and tomorrow, everybody's going to forget about what happened anyway. Um, that's just the way news is. So what I would do in bad situations, I wouldn't so much worry about an apology. I would worry about, you know, just sticking with the facts, maintaining your honesty and your and, you know, give the reporters their fact, the facts as you know them. If you don't know the answer to a question, just simply say, I do not know the answer to that. And when they ask you, hey, Ben, you know, can you speculate? Can you kind of tell me what you think went wrong? Uh, the answer is always, I, I can't be. It's still under investigation. And it wouldn't be appropriate for me to do that. And another, another thing people should realize, too, is that there is no law. There's no um, act of Congress. There's nothing in writing anywhere that says people have to speak to the news media. And I'm not saying be rude to them, but if you're being chased through the parking lot by four reporters who want to talk to you, uh, I tell people this is the easiest type of interview to get out of is the ambush interview where the reporters are hiding behind bushes waiting for you to come out and, and you know pounce on you with microphones and cameras. Just simply tell these guys, hey, guys, I have a meeting. Uh, here's my number. Call me later and continue on with what you have to do. There's nothing in any law in the United States that says you have to stop what you're doing, get all mic'd up, stand in front of a camera, and answer a reporter's questions. There's, you're under no law to do that. Just tell them you're busy and you'll talk to them later. What's the nature of your query? And that will give you time to investigate what it is they're looking for and to see if you're able to help them at all. You know, a lot of times reporters are on a fishing expedition and they're coming to you just to get a reaction or a quote or whatever. Doesn't mean you're gonna have anything for them. And there's certainly nothing wrong with you telling a reporter, hey, you know something? I don't have anything to do with that and I don't have anything for you. And they go on to their next point of contact. So if you don't have something for a reporter, don't make stuff up. Just tell them you don't have something for them and they'll move out of the next person. Well, and I think that's perfect too. You're not appearing to be this guy that's trying to dodge the news. You're just saying, hey guys, 
you know, I, I got this. I don't know. To go yeah. to and I'm going to move on. Please That's call right. me later. That's right. And yeah. And if they, and if they keep, if they keep harassing you, just, just say, Hey guys, I, I really, I've got to go. I mean, as long as you're calm, you remain calm and you're talking to them nicely. Hey guys, got to go. You know, now they are the ones that start looking like the aggressors and the bad mm-hmm. guys. You're just trying to get on to your next meeting. These are the, and you know, and, and they're going to let you go. But if you go out there and say no comment and start running away from them, <laughs> that is bad. what they're going to use. on. <laughs> that's what they're going to use on the air tonight. That's what we're going to see on the air tonight. He must be guilty. He's running away from us. Um, and we certainly don't want that. So, uh, don't be afraid of them. You're not under any obligation to talk to them. Just tell them you'll, talk, you'll be happy to talk to them, but not now, later, and just continue on with your business. Well, so I, I think we're really blessed to be in an industry that's um, really working towards safer roads, and it's a benefit to society. And I really think that yep. the majority of the coverage um, is positive. You know, people are receptive to I agree. us going out there and, and creating safer roads. Um, we've covered a I lot agree. of ground. Uh, why don't you just give us a kind of a, a recap of some of the main takeaway points? Well, you know, the, the main, yeah, I mean, you know, a couple of things that, that that's a member should keep in mind is they are doing tremendous things to, you know, incredible things out there to improve roadways. And, you know, I, I saw the stuff from, from the last traffic expo. Um, there's some great products out there. You know, the the public would like to know about this stuff. The media would like to know about this stuff. So reach out to the media and let them know who you are and what it is you're doing. And try to reach out to them conversationally, not like a salesperson. I hate to tell people that, but talk to them in a conversational tone rather than, you know, da- uh, dazzling them with sales figures and numbers and all sorts of other stuff. They want to know how does this product help a motorist. So Develop a relationship with your state DOT people. Develop a relationship with your local media. Get a designated media spokesman at your company so that you got one voice talking to the media. Develop some sort of a media plan. And uh, look into hiring someone to handle your social media and marketing of your products and services if you don't have somebody to do that. And if you get in any serious trouble, call a public relations consultant to help you get out of it. That's what that's what we're paid to do is is keep keep everybody out of trouble and make you look good on television and in print as well. Well, and and telling your story to these news uh, reporters as well is just good business practice as a whole. It is you know, always having that story of of uh, kind of the. The problem and then the, the buildup and the climax mm-hmm. and the resolution um, really should be involved yep. in every story. Uh, well, so yeah, I, I went to a I, I went to a conference a few years ago and it was uh, uh, the NCSL conference, which is the conference for legislators. And I asked, you know, we had a bunch of visitors come by the booth, and uh, my first question to these people was, "Do you have a traffic problem in your area?" And every single one of them said yes. And then I handed them some acts of literature and I said, hey, here's how to make your roads safer. So, uh, you know, there's ATSA has all these uh, magazines and research case studies and things that they have for ATSA members to use. And what I would recommend, Ben, is get a hold of some of these products, some of these magazines on, uh, let's say, how to prevent wrong way driving, for example. That's one of the case study books that they did. 
and walk into the DOT people and say, hey, I'm Ben or I'm Jim, and here's a book on how we can make, you know, how we can help you guys improve, uh, you know, the wrong way driving problem that we have in this area. And show them this book and introduce yourself to them and give them your card. And they've got a point of contact and do the same thing with the media. So when the media sees that there's a problem on the roadway, they can say, oh, that's right. Hey, I met this Ben guy the other day that told me he can make my roads safer and I'm going to give him a call and that way you can get involved. But, you know, you got to get out there and meet these people. And ATSA really gives their members a lot of resources to, to, to go out and meet people with and show them what it is you guys do. Well, Jim, uh, before we go, where can people find you? Well, uh, I'm on Twitter, James Barron PR is my Twitter handle. I'm also on uh, LinkedIn at James Barron. So I would love to hear from, uh, from folks out there. And if anyone's got any public relations questions, how, how they can improve their, their outreach into the media, into the community, whatever, they can give me a call. My, my cell phone number is 202-430-4999. And I'd highly recommend following uh, Jim. I've been following you on LinkedIn for some time now, and he's still heavily involved in our, our industry and um, always posting different news that, you know, articles on, on what's going on in our industry. So, I highly recommend following this this gentleman. Uh, well, thank you, sir. Thank you, Jim, and thanks for listening to this episode of Reroute Safety. Uh, if you like the subject and would like to hear more about media relations, uh, we could do a whole episode just on the types of reporters or social media or how to conduct yourself in an interview and uh, really flush these ideas out a lot more. Uh, feel free to contact me. You can visit our website at reroutesafety.com. You can also uh, tweet me. It's My Twitter handle is reroutesafety. And you also find me on LinkedIn, Ben Jeffrey. Or even just uh, drop a comment in a little section below on this uh, SoundCloud podcast. Join us next time on Reroute Safety as we talk with David Cowan on innovation. He is the president of PSS Innovations, and we'll be speaking about rumble strips and all things innovative.